Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report, of course, is a member of the Believe podcast family. And that is why, of course, yeah. it's uh, read as Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report on your favorite podcast platform. One day, I won't have to say that, but I'm very thankful to be on this network that misspells the word believe, B-L-E-A-B. Um, enough of that, Michigas, and on to one of my favorite people, comedians. Uh, certainly, he's been a, I would say, a podcasting legend and uh, definitely one of the Funniest people I've ever seen on stage, and my favorite person to run into at Fred sixty two. <laughs> Still open, baby. James Adomian, everybody. Hi, Jake. How you doing? I'm actually, or, or I should say, Mr. Bureau. <laughs> Mr. Bureau, I like that. I'll get, I'll get a name placard that says that. The death from the desk of Mr. Bureau. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I do run into you at Fred sixty two, and it's a fun time. Um. Fairly often, I guess they're kind of they're back to indoor even dining limited, now. Limited capacity indoor dining, but I peeked in as I've gotten takeout from Fred sixty two, and it's it's the sort of people you're like, oh yeah, you didn't you guys didn't take the pandemic seriously. Of course, you got back into indoor dining. Right there's uh, <laughs> there's and there's just like these extremes of people who are like the first ones to like flood into a place that's now finally open, right. and then there's people that will be holed up like hermits for like twenty years. Yeah, I had a there's a friend of mine who's in Miami. She didn't even get takeout until September. <laughs> we never know what's touching the bag. <laughs> you never know what's touching the bag. And I went through a phase. I went through a phase where I was like paranoid about doing laundry in the laundry room, and it's a shared laundry room. And I had to like, I was going down there, and it took me like forty minutes to like navigate things with like wipes and like dropping something on the floor. Would be like, God damn it! And um, was it a big would, laundry room, small laundry room, smallish? Right. And then uh, just two, just one washer dryer, and then um. Or it's two and two. And then um, like I, I got obsessed for a few weeks about like wiping and washing the fucking detergent bottle itself. And then, I really, <laughs> and then you know, it's like, well, how, you know, the outside of the container of the soap has to be clean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And then there's like there's like no limit to the times that you could technically clean things. Right. And so I, I'm glad that that eased off after a while. I was never a germaphobe and I became, I learned the ropes pretty quick. Did you have like a, a, a moment where you're like, wait, I'm cleaning the, the thing that cleans things? Cleaning the cleaning. Yes. Yeah. Cleaning the cleaning. And and was that what you're more like? This is ridiculous. I got to stop. Mm, yeah, I guess maybe uh, maybe that was like right before they reopened some things last summer or I, I forget. I forget what broke me. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of firmly believe that we've lived 10 years in the last year. That's mm -hmm. how much. Everything that happened two years ago feels like it was one year ago. 2019 feels yeah. like one year ago. Um, I, uh, I did. I broke my arm in August uh, riding around <laughs> falling off a bird scooter. <laughs> oh, I remember this because I ran into you at 
Fred 62 and you were in a cast. Mm -hmm. I had heard that Meltdown Comics was uh, burning down. And oh, yeah. it, it was a two night full moon and it was an Aquarius full moon. So all my Aquarius bullshit kicked in. And I had been walking around the night before and I went to El Cid because I was feeling nostalgic for my comedy life. Right, right, right. And then uh, I, I walked over to... Um, I took a bird scooter over to Meltdown Comics the next day. Right. And uh, on the way back, nobody would, no traffic, zero traffic. And I was just looking at the moon, marveling like, wow, there is a silver lining to this pandemic. You can just ride a bird scooter across Hollywood. Nobody's on my ass trying to drive me off the road. And uh, I was like zipping down Fountain Avenue. And then they make you take a detour on Fountain and... Uh, the street wasn't as well lit or maintained. And I, <laughs> I hit a hole or a rock and just. Oh, shit. Did you go flying like 20 feet or something? I went flying probably 10 feet. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, James. <laughs> um, but yeah, I broke my arm and bruised my ribs. And then I was like trying to, I was like <gasps> breathing like. <gasps> and then uh, this guy. <laughs> rode by on a bicycle was like you all right man and i was like oh, 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 and he just kept going <laughs> I, apparently oh, 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 it is all right enough that he could just keep going yeah 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 well i mean maybe that guy thought like oh, i don't know you know it doesn't he could have COVID, and it sounds like he might be breathing it on me so oh god that's right he had COVID so bad he fell off a bird scooter <laughs> I'm sure that's somebody's logic. Oh, man. Then I had to go to the hospital and I had to go do, do a bunch of medical shit through between August and September. I had surgery and all this stuff. Oh, and it's just like doctor's offices over and over again, getting x-rays over and over again. And uh, but what was that like during COVID? I mean, because I it was the a, ER and that was at a certain point, I just decided that I wasn't going to panic about it or that right. it was just too much to worry about. Right. And I was like, I'm going to take the precautions that I can. I'm going to put hydrogen peroxide in my nose. <laughs> <laughs> okay wash my hands and face i'm gonna take lots of echinacea vitamin c um elderberry right. etc and right. until i got to my shit and then after that i was just like well i feel okay taking a trip a, a, a trip or two so i took i took some very careful trips in the fall to make up for my lost summer where where, where did those careful, careful trips take you Ah, I went to Puerto Vallarta in Mexico and oh before that I went to Palm Springs mm -hmm. and um uh and then I uh I went to Armenia Yerevan in uh in November uh right after the war and uh and then um where, did, was there another place oh yeah I went to Mexico again um earlier this year well uh, man how careful was that trip going to Armenia after the war I mean, well, like, so much was devastated. It was devastated. They were very sad. They'd been sucker punched by Azerbaijan and Turkey um, uh, during the pandemic. <laughs> Which it's like, yeah, oh yeah, we we that on top of everything else, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sucker punched, um, ethnically cleansed the areas of Artsakh that they took over in right. the terrible Russian peace deal. Right, peace deal. Right. Um, it was, and it was a bad scene. So I went there to see if I could help and um, uh, figure out how to get Hollywood to film things there. Because it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is beautiful. Uh, wait, do you, you want to like do sketches out there or bits? Or do you want to like have one of your characters host? I'm not, 
I'm, I'm, I, here's the thing I've learned from traveling is that I'm very American. And my, <laughs> oh, yeah? My comedy is very American. And um, I, I, I just barely speak a tiny bit of Armenian, so it's not nearly enough to be funny. Right. Except, you know, I was doing Donald, you know, actually, I was making people laugh doing impressions of like Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I was in the back of a taxi in Yerevan and everybody's kind of sad, but I was like, Yerevan, beautiful place. What a beautiful city. And they were just like, they, it was nice to see them laugh, you know? <laughs> That's pretty great. That's pretty great. Well, wait, did you have to do a show? In- no, 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 no. I didn't do a show. I was not there as a comedian. I was there as a, I was there as a civilian capacity. Yeah. As a humanitarian, you were there as any humanitarian capacity. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Business uh, development. Um, you know, it was just uh, Armenian Genocide Remembrance Day, and then Biden mm-hmm. officially recognized that it was indeed a genocide. Yeah. Hey, guess what? I'm I'm as I'm as wrong I'm as wrong as two broken clocks four times a day. <laughs> One thing I don't like to see is when a man when somebody kicks a man when he's down when somebody kicks a man when he's down and they also shoot him in the back. That was that was that was that was bad. That was bad baseball, pal. Mm-hmm. 80 years ago. <laughs> right? 80? 70? It was 106 years ago. I was almost there to see it. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, in his early 20s. Oh, man. Yeah, it, he did the right thing. He did the right thing. And um, there's a lot more to be done. Um, obviously, I think Turkey and Azerbaijan are very... Um, bad actors on the world stage against Armenia and all their other neighbors. Um, And um, it's particular, well, Turkey is involved in like four wars right now, hot and cold wars. And, um, but, you know, obviously this is a, (laughs) this is a genocidal empire as well. Right. And so it kind of opens the door to a conversation about, um, I'm happy that the U.S. recognition of the Armenian genocide opens a door to a conversation about um, uh, imperialism, ethnic cleansing uh, in the Armenian highlands, in Anatolia, in the Caucasus, and also in North America, in the Americas in general, and many other places throughout the world. Right. And especially, it just seems as though now, even though, I mean, you can just peruse any part of the newspaper to see that expansionists policies are continuing on and on, but it just seems as like, it seems stupider than ever to like, oh, I want, I want this land because I, I want more. Right, right. Because, hey, it would be nice to have a base there or yeah. uh, we really want to have um, an oil well, a pipeline there or whatever. And this is a, there's pipeline shit all, people are, it annoys me when people are like, um, Armenia, it's so far away. It has nothing to do with America. Bullshit. We've got, we do a lot of business with the bad guys. Oh yeah. Turkey's in NATO. We're all in uh, as uh, uh, very careful partners on all the pipeline politics that goes there with the Caspian oil and so forth. How do you Britain, think we're, we're one of the richest countries in the world? Uh, yeah. And I think that we're, approaching not necessarily soon not necessarily in our lifetimes but we're approaching a time when we might not have to do so much of that um i don't think elon musk is going to save us but i think that um we won't have to have um we're approaching a future where we're going to address um the worst uh crimes against humanity that have happened in the interest of making a buck 
Yeah, <laughs> right. It has long actually been my belief that China will actually have to curb its uh, environmental impact merely because it's bad optics for their citizens to carry around canisters of oxygen. I've been there. I've been to China. I did shows in China in uh, Beijing and Shanghai and Chengdu and a couple of other cities, uh, Wuji and Suzhou. Right. And um, so like northern and western China I went right. to. Uh, but Beijing is smoggy. Mm -hmm. I grew up in LA in the late eighties and early nineties. I remember LA smog when it was right. bad. You grew right. up here too, right? Yeah. I was there like 94 and then I moved away and I've been back. Yeah. But yeah. I remember, I remember it. Yeah. You couldn't see the mountains. You couldn't see, couldn't see the mountains. And it wasn't just, Oh, clouds or fog. It was like this gray, dark orange color, like blade runner smog. Right. And Beijing is worse than any of that ever was when I was a kid here. Um, and it's big. It's a big city and it's just full of smog. <laughs> yeah. It's so full of smog. Yeah. They, they, I mean, like, you wouldn't, they have so much more smog and so much more people densely packed. And like, I, this, sounds, I, this sounds like a Donald Trump thing to be afraid of. They've got <laughs> so much more smog. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like we're trying to win a race. We need to be number one. There's a smog race and we're losing because California hamstringed itself. <laughs> yeah, we, we want to change the entire auto industry through our legislation alone. And that's ruining our chances of beating China. Um, yeah, but it was I've been there and it was interesting to do shows there. Interesting to do shows there and see what like see what worked. There was a lot of like. Uh, English speaking expats, and there were also a lot of like um, Chinese people practicing their English or, you know, speak it well enough. It's it a huge English speaking native population there. Right. Because um, it's so many people. Um, so, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun at all the shows there. Were you monitored, James? Probably. Yeah. I'm just imagining you, like your performance is being recorded, and I mean, what, what part of Chinese state media is watching that, you know? There's a very, probably a very small uh, desk for American performers and monitoring what they do. <laughs> yeah. So there's just a bunch of sets of like you, Tom Rhodes, Glenn Wool. Who else? <laughs> who yeah. Who China else? China? I think Kyle Kinane's been to China. Yeah. Kyle Kinane, probably. Um, um, maybe you. I forget. A few of our friends have been there uh, right. with the same promoter or some other different promoters that bring Americans over to do tours there. Right. Uh, are you Baron Vaughn might have I forget sorry if I'm making that up <laughs> I just like the even just imagining Baron Vaughn in China yeah. <laughs> like even if they didn't get it he's so physical maybe they would just enjoy that oh yeah. yeah yeah and oddly enough Shanghai reminded me a lot of New York City it was uh uh like I would be sort of an intersection in Shanghai and you see it because they have the the blend of architecture from a hundred or 120 years ago with right. like luxury cars and new buildings. Right. That's a lot like New York. So I would be like, wait, where am I? Am I in Brooklyn? You know, you're <laughs> yeah. lag. right, right, right. Uh, are you looking, I mean, looking forward, I mean, do you want to play, do you, do you want to like tour the globe again? Do you want to, I mean, yes, I was supposed to go back to China. You're supposed to go back to China when? Here's what here's here's what I had booked that got canceled. I had a bunch of U.S. dates that got canceled last it, spring. 
so a year ago, like like February 2020. This is where you stood. This was supposed. This is like the gigs that were. The China was supposed to happen in May of 2020. So that was the first <laughs> thing that had to cancel. I was going to go to China and also Thailand for the first time, which I was. Wait, when did you cancel that? Because the COVID 19 was like a like hitting China in December. Yes, we ended up we it, the, the canceling panic stuff didn't happen until it was hitting here in March. And I held out where I held out for a few weeks before canceling it being like, I really want to do this. Right. Um, but uh, there was also the uh, there was also the um, Netflix Wanda Sykes LGBTQ uh, stand up special that was going to film at the Greek theater that I was going to be on right, with a right. huge lineup. Uh-huh. <laughs> that got canceled i think that was also for may and there was a bunch of u.s dates and stuff and right. oh well <laughs> and i mean and did you uh did you have like more more like hmm. and south by southwest i was gonna take my podcast the underculture to south by southwest yep and make a big splash there and that of course ended oh yeah and i was gonna actually go to south by so was for the first time that was gonna. I was gonna be there. It's wonderful. It has it, been. Hopefully, it comes back. It'll come back. It was virtual this year, but it'll 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 come back. Uh, I mean, I can't think of anything that was set up better to do a virtual festival than South by Southwest. Yeah. Why? Why do you say that? I mean, you had such vast experience of performing it. I can't even remember a festival in America that you haven't done. Uh there's probably some, but yeah, it was like because it's their whole thing is like is like um. The, the the cutting edge of like the cutting edge of what is about to be like hip and trendy in technology. So like right. the first place I heard about Bitcoin a lot was at South by Southwest like 10 right. years ago or something. Right. And then, um, you know, like um, the Internet of Things. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh, didn't uh, one time at South by Southwest, you just like went around a bunch of panels as Elon? No, I don't think I did. <laughs> I didn't do that, but I did an Elon Musk panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, it was an Elon Musk show that was kind of uh, ambiguously advertised as if it was a panel. Uh-huh. And I played Elon Musk and uh, we had a few other people, um, local Austin comics and stuff. And a lot of people helped me. We, some guys there helped me build a rocket. They built a rocket. Um, <laughs> yeah, like out of a, what? Like wood and 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 it looked 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 it looked like a comedy rocket you know but like (laughs) built a rocket and like all kinds of like we had this whole show where he was like doing a presentation on like all of the cool projects that we're working on through spacex and tesla and also like by the end of the show there was the reveal of this rocket and i had a teddy (laughs) rock i i have this teddy ruxpin that i have uploaded my consciousness into and uh (laughs) put it in the rocket and the idea was that it was gonna the rocket was gonna go up uh, to mars and there was gonna be a live feed of it but then it's revealed mm-hmm. that the rocket like moonraker the, like the original book of moonraker right. the rocket was gonna go up and it had a nuclear warhead and it was gonna come straight down and destroy south by southwest <laughs> oh that's um, great but we were safe because we were a mile underground i had a whole this was so i will what a what an elaborate thing to do for a one-time show. Yeah. We had this so elaborate thing where we lowered the theater a mile into the <laughs> into Wait, the just, bedrock. We you just said it and like pretended and there was like a sound mm-hmm. cue or something. Okay. Yeah, there was like a <laughs> 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 
That's great. So the show it's the show started like a PowerPoint presentation, and then right. it ended like a James Bond uh, final act. Oh, I love that. Please tell me that you can just hijack SNL for whenever Elon's supposed to host it, and you just do that. Well, if America legalizes having more than one sketch show, I am available as I was at 25 and now at the age of 41. If, I, it, if it ever becomes legal for anyone else to do it on television, I'm still uh, willing and able. <laughs> yeah, I think they slightly amended it. It's, it's it ha- There can be more than one sketch show, but Lorne Michaels still has to be involved. Um, well, I, I, any other, I'll go to another country then. Oh my god! I, I mean, or, or I'll just or I'll keep doing live shows, uh, one at a time, and the people right. who see them see them, and then they just disappear like a Burning Man project. I if, if if there is any reason for me to try to consolidate power in the world of comedies, to, so I can give you a show, James. Yes, Jake, I'm waiting for your rise to power. <laughs> yeah, so let's uh, like what are whoever Kroger. we got now. You have there's a road. I'm glad you have Comedy Bureau because Kroger would be a difficult brand. Oh yeah, that's why my Instagram handle is not the supermarket. I'm very much not associated with that terrible, terrible brand. Um, they own they, Ralphs. They own they, Ralphs. They own Ralphs. They're a billion dollar company, dude. And they're they're kind of bad. They closed some stores just because they had to pay people a little more. Yeah. We oh oh we don't want to pay Hero Pay for uh, frontline grocery store workers. That we are. already hung up some banners that said you guys did a great job. Yeah. What more do you want? Yeah, yeah. I very much don't want to be a part of that. Thank God. And I have an extra E in my name, so. Oh, thank God for the E. Yeah, thank God. What I actually now that I think about. While traveling, it's usually best to pack light. When it comes to money, carrying some cash and having an alternative like Zelle is a great idea. Zelle's an easy way to send and receive money with people you trust at any U.S. bank. It's already in thousands of different banking apps, and it's money straight into your bank account in minutes fast. Look for Zelle in your banking app today. Safe travels. Got it. What would Elon have to do on his episode of SNL to convince you to like, all right, actually, maybe he is not, maybe he will change things. Um, I guess like walk out into Manhattan and start giving away Ethereum to people like little USB mini drives. Yeah. I shouldn't have given them him that idea because he has the power to do it. He has the power to do it. Uh He has the power to give away just like enough Ethereum that it's a funny bit. And then he gets filmed and people think it's great. And he gets all the credit for it. No motherfucker. Give away a billion dollars in Ethereum. Yeah. Yeah. If he if he went out like Joker showering cash or cryptocurrencies all over Manhattan, uh, maybe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. If that was the whole episode, that'd be great. That'd be great. I uh, I do a, a weekly sort of uh, office hours thing on Clubhouse and somebody suggested that uh, what should happen is that Elon just tries to pitch sketches to the cast and the writers and then they just react to that. And that's the episode. Uh, that sounds like you could easily do that by changing the names of the show and the people slightly, and just and do it like a uh, do it like a short film or a, a, a fictional uh, like a like a like a narrative TV show about this nightmare. Right. 
I have I have bought this television program. Uh-huh. My name is my name is Karsten Vermouth. I have bought this television program. <laughs> yep. I have purchased your beloved program. And it, it, it is secretly Orson Welles, who's just been revived. That's why his name's Carlston Vermouth. <laughs> We're all waiting for a little Orson. Yeah, I'm reading his. Uh, I'm reading this book right now. Uh, My lunches with Orson. Uh-huh. It's transcriptions of Henry Jaglum's lunches with Orson Welles at different restaurants around Hollywood. <laughs> oh God! Wait, how old was Orson at this point? At the end of his life. It's oh like yes, 1983 to 1985, oh, and geez. he's he is bitchy and hilarious, <laughs> and he is i mean he is so comically gluttonous in the first chapter he orders a many things including they order like a pork dish and he's like i don't i'm not going to eat it i just want to smell it oh that's that's rich literally and figuratively oh my mm-hmm. god that's so great oh it's so very funny it's so very funny and just like talking shit about everyone mm-hmm. spencer tracy was stupid <laughs> He was a stupid, angry man. Oh my god! Oh, I've uh, there's so many things. I, I try to read it going to bed, and then I start laughing. Right. Secret, secretly, this is why the other side of the wind. What? What? what go on. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's all the same shit. Uh, yeah, I was gonna the say, other side of the wind. Yeah. The other side of the wind didn't get finished because it was. This is actually what the other side of the wind is. Him just they being were, a gluttonous. Yes, there were. There was it was decades of tantrums between Paris, Venice, and 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 Hollywood. You see, you see this. He he, he says things like, "Oh, I never watch movies." Like Henry Jaglum asks him, "Like what movies have you, do you like watching now?" Oh, I never watch movies. His my girl, uh, what's her name? His girlfriend is named like I forgot her name, but she he's, he's like, "We we'll we'll go watch a reel and then we'll walk out right up the center aisle and we'll go walk into another film." That's the way we watched movies in the 1930s, you see. <laughs> that's him and him alone. Oh my god. That's 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 great. Oh I love god. the I love the idea of like Orson Welles walking out of Star Wars as soon as <laughs> the lightsabers come out and he's like, right. <clears throat> I I have to find another hot dog, you see. Mm-hmm. I I maybe you know not enough I, butter in this popcorn. I wonder if any of those conversations uh touched upon is it an earthquake is it i can't tell if it's an earthquake or if that's uh my neighbor getting angry that i'm recording something i think it might be the latter (laughs) you were saying uh i wonder if any of those conversations with henry javelin had to do with orson welles voicing the transforming planet omicron in transformers the movie i haven't finished the book but that is one of the best that is one of the best swan songs i've ever seen in cinema one of the best Destiny, you will not destroy my destiny. For someone I didn't who was know re- who Orson Welles was when I saw that in 1986, right. of course, or 87. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it, mm. I mean, it is such a perfect swan song in the sense, I mean, the guy made Citizen Kane and this is what he ends with. Oh, I think it's probably a better performance than Charles <laughs> Foster Kane. <laughs> What would be really funny to me if he was like, you know, when I played Unicron, if he had lived a little bit longer so he could gossip about it, <clears throat> when I <laughs> when I played Unicron, you understand, I never I never use my real nose in motion pictures. And he had to 
he had to age, of course. So I insisted. I insisted. I called RKO and I demanded. I demanded that they put me in the makeup chair for several light years before that I felt that the robot was believable because there's an illusion, you understand. Mm -hmm. And then the, there's like a the microphone is like, and then it's like, what was that Orson? And he goes, <clears throat> I, what I said was that Starscream was a cunt. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, there were there were there were four expressions: jealousy, bitterness, angry, and just whatever the, the you know the, the Starscream itself, and and that was it. There was it was <clears throat> if he hadn't been so attractive, there really wouldn't have been a career. <laughs> Oh yeah, and I'm I'm sure he found it very fitting that he was playing something the size of a planet. Well, I think that's uh might have been an accident. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of characters, robot planet that eats planets. What's a what a great idea? Mm -hmm. Yeah, characters welcome. That's my slogan. Characters welcome. Oh, you're gonna take it from JFL? Wait, I thought that was like IFC or something. Yeah, that was. It, TBS? It was TBS before they, hmm, maybe TBS or IFC, and then TBS went to Very Funny, and then- I like that the characters welcome, and nobody will give me a show. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, throughout the pandemic, JFL did this characters-only show called Characters Welcome. That's what oh, okay. All right. Oh, during the pandemic? Yeah, they did this live stream show. Oh, okay. They, no. Good for them. Mm -hmm. Good for them. J JFL, I just discovered that I have like stand-up bits that are on like Apple Music because JFL has had them uploaded for years and I had no idea before. Oh, please tell me you're getting sound exchange money for that. Mm, I don't know. It's hard to audit that kind of thing. Oh, my um, God. But um, my, I need to figure out a way to get my album uh, Low Hanging Fruit back on Apple Music because it's not there and... Uh, I don't know if it's on um, Spotify either. So I need to, I'm actually trying to figure out how to do that. Oh but it's God. also not like a current. <laughs> I hate working on things from the past, which sure. is why I, I never upload. I rarely upload like stand up sets that I have or like, like people like force me to upload. Like, Jim, you have to upload these clips from the podcast. Right. So, like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I'll go to a bar and have several beers and just like sit there uploading stuff to YouTube because otherwise I'm not going to do it. Right. Um, I, I, I just, I, I know, I never feel like I should be a curate, like a librarian or a curator of things, but I, I mean, so yeah. I have to sometimes, but yeah, yes, yeah. I've been meaning to put up low hanging fruit in an available capacity. Right. I mean, I, I hope you do. Cause it is a great album. Uh, oh, part of what I got to be part of a recording you didn't get to use, but. Uh, oh, that's right. We had our ill-fated drive up to Portland where we had to, you drove me up to the initial Portland taping. And the only thing that survived from that stand-up show, I think the microphones were badly wrapped or something was wrong with the recording. That was so but, sad um, because you kill, you like. It's okay. Man. The one thing that we kept from that was the Joan Rivers story yep. at the very end of the album. Yep. Opening for Joan Rivers. Oh, what what a grand story that is! Uh, yeah, and I'm glad that you kept that. But uh, yeah, shut Logan, up and listen to him. Shut up, you all. Shut up and listen to him. This is David Letterman's best friend. He's David Letterman's best friend. <laughs> I love that story so much. But uh, that that album should be on there. I hope it will be. Um, oh, no, I, I was gonna. I, I I was gonna bring up characters 
because uh, you have recently gotten to uh, do a recurring appearance as uh, my pillow founder and Frank and mystore.com founder, uh, Mike Lindell on Jimmy Kimmel. Live. Mike Lindell, but everybody on the internet searching for him calls him my pillow guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm I changing bet. my name to Mike Pillow. <laughs> Mike, I'm Mike, Mike Pillow, the founder of my pillow. Now, how long have you been doing an impression of my pillow guy, Mike? Lindell? At least four years. I don't, I would have to go through my notes and because I, I, it was just a stand up bit for right, right. a couple of years. And I don't yeah. remember when I started it. Um, right. But I started doing my pillow at least four years ago, like yeah. 2017, maybe a little older. But yeah, I would just do it as a stand up bit and be like, my favorite TV show is my pillow. I want him to have the Emmy. And this is before anybody knew he was like a right wing Trump supporter. But Did then I found this? that, well, I found that out and sort of incorporated into the bit and made him right. a crazy guy and stuff. Right. And then I used to do him on. The, the underculture there's a there's a track I, of uh, um mike lindell singing um the cars <laughs> karaoke <laughs> who's gonna drive you home tonight <laughs> and um you can't go on <laughs> so uh yeah i played him here and there and i I uh, did it in my stand-up and it was a very funny bit in my stand-up for years. And then I wanted to do it on TV and I never had access to a TV show that would let me do impressions. And then like out of nowhere, um, Brian Cook from the right, one of the writers on Jimmy Kimmel uh, asked me, hey, you, do, you do my pillow guy? I was yeah. like, fuck yeah. Yeah. I, it was, a, I had actually been complaining about it that week. And then he asked me to be on it and it was like, what a great sign. Complain the universe responds to like complaining. <laughs> yeah. Your your complaint number actually got taken. Now now when you say you were complaining, you're like you were seeing uh Mike Lindell just like get crazier and crazier and you're like, I want to do this character on TV. Yeah, and I had played him on Cartoon President on right, Showtime, right. but people in Comedy doesn't like people in comedy don't care about cartoons, I think. Yeah. Or like the, certainly like the press doesn't care about cartoons. So it's right, like right, they right. just think, oh, some cartoon guy did that. Right. Right. Um, but uh yeah, I did a whole bunch of crazy shit as Mike Lindell on, <laughs> on cartoon now, present. Now, did you get to do all of it? Did you get to add it? Like how how did that go? On Kimmel? Yeah. Yeah, they had a script. It was, uh, you know, a teleprompter, uh, and and things go wrong, and then I'm and, and Jimmy Kimmel likes me to go off script, so there's a little bit of that. Right. And were, um, were you eating packing peanuts? What are you? What did you stick in your mouth? It was an, the illusion of packing peanuts. Yes. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> um, that was the magic of cinema. You understand? <laughs> yes. Yes, I understand. Um. So. So. Uh. Yeah, it's scripted, and you know, it it, it reminds you know my career began, um, my TV career began 16 years ago, playing George W. Bush on Craig Ferguson, right? And it was eerie going into Kimmel and doing the like basically the same format of a bit, right. where you're playing this crazy guy. There's a teleprompter. You're talking to the host. They make it look like you're on satellite or something. It's like <laughs> Jesus, this is what this is. I'm 25 again. <laughs> yeah, that's gotta be. Um, I I I like I like that format. It, it's mm -hmm. it's where, where you just you get to be this crazy asshole, 
for a few minutes and the host is this and then there's a host that's like the straight man that's like well what else is going on (laughs) (laughs) wow that seems hard to believe and then you're just you just get to be just like exclamation point after exclamation point i always liked in the old conan show uh those bits you know conan was kind of like the ringmaster and he was surrounded by these more insane bits and that's i grew up watching him as a young teenager and um I was a young teenager, not Conan. Right. He wasn't that young when he had the show. Right. Um, like FedEx Pope, like, Masturbating Bear, all that. Masturbating Bear was so fucking funny. And it was, it last, it was like a two minute bit. Yeah. And I, so, loved, yeah. and I loved Andy Richter, like the, stretching it out and you knew it was going to happen. And he would, he, he was such a great uh, uh, straight man where he would be like, he'd be like, Conan, I don't think it's such a great idea to bring on the Masturbating Bear. I mean, We've given him a couple of chances, but every time he says, you know, backstage that he's, he's changed, but then he comes out and as soon as the cameras are rolling, he just starts furiously masturbating. (laughs) (laughs) And then every time it was like, they were going to give him one more chance. Oh yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 that stuff is like low hanging fruit, so to speak. Right. <laughs> That's low hanging fruit to me. I love doing that kind of stuff, like, like um, the late night TV format. Um, with, with especially if there's an audience, I love that. Uh, how much of an audience was there? Not really for Kimmel, not a real audience, but like they, they have the, they have the writers sitting in where the audience would be. So you look up there and it's, it's, it's basically looks like a half full crowd. So it's like, it's enough that there's like real laughs in the room. Right. That's good. That's good. Now I'm, I'm curious in all the times that you've gotten to like, you know, probably like play Andy Kindler in front of Andy Kindler or sure. I'm sure you've gotten impersonating. And what's wrong? Buster Keaton turned the train around. I remember seeing you open for him as Andy at the state of the industry address and you threw him for a loop for the first two minutes. Like, like you didn't know what to do because he was falling into your impression of him. I, I, well, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, look, I'm, we, we've talked about this. I need to be his Gallagher too. And <laughs> just go out and uh, do an Andy Kindler act, soak up the money and then have it all end in a, in a, a pie fight of lawsuits. Right. Um, yeah, but what was uh, it like playing, uh, you know, versus you know, even interviewing Bernie Sanders as Bernie, but like, you know, tr- trying to supplant Mike Lindell as your Mike Lindell? You mean comparing those th- experiences? Yeah, comparing. Yeah, what was it like? Well, playing Bernie Sanders with Bernie Sanders, I admire him. I like him. I agree with him. It's the experience of making fun of like a beloved professor mm-hmm. or, um, you know, uh an elder family member that everyone adores, but likes to make fun of, you know, mm-hmm. and with Mike Lindell, I'm like, I don't like this guy. This guy sucks, but he's also, uh, uh, he's like a cartoon showman. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm, I mean, there's a, there's a slight subtlety of like, are you drawing blood when you go in, when you bite them, are you drawing blood or not? Basically. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I'd be curious to what your read on it was. Like he was laughing a lot, and I was wondering if that was performative or like he genuinely found it funny. We were prepared for him to be. We were all very prepared for him to be like uh, uh, hostile or combative, yeah. and um, 
he was he was uh, sheepish he it surprised me he was bashful yeah. um and kind of like um have you ever seen somebody who's not really a comedian that gets on stage with a comedian and they're just like chuckly because they don't know what to do yeah it was kind of like that yeah. uh did he he didn't know that was coming right I don't think so. He should have seen, he should have seen it coming. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that that was going to happen. That you were going to come on the show and like confront him or do something. No, they had me sequestered away from him in the green room. Right. Um. Uh, but yeah, in that experience, I mean, like, did you feel like you were drawing blood, or you know, you just saw that he was going? I'm just, I'm just trying to be as mean as possible. So. <laughs> yeah. I was. I was calling him insane and dangerous and, you know, like, uh, it's, there's an Illuminati and Jimmy Kimball. This isn't the real guy. They first, they come first, they're hacking and first they're hacking into our phone lines and now they're hacking into my pillow. <laughs> yeah, they are. Oh my God. Um, wait, have you, have you bought anything off of my store or I mean, peruse it? I suppose. What my pillow? No, but he had they, they, he had brought like a physical brochure that uh, I saw laying around there backstage, mm-hmm. and that was very interesting because they have this they have all this other like bullshit you can you can get through my pillow where it's like it's a dog blanket, mm-hmm. yeah, or freedom flags or a uh, uh, cardboard cutout of Mike Lindell himself. <laughs> Who needs that? <laughs> I have I have an entire back house that's just full of cardboard cutouts of myself. <laughs> If Mike Lindell only bothered to go to therapy, it, it, it's a matter of just like, I mean, your you, your problems are, it's, it's, it's right here, Mike. You, you're spelling it out for yourself. You just look at the things that you're selling on your website. Well, you know, there's clearly some problems there. There's clearly some problems there. And I think there's some, there's something manic about him that has made him a very successful, uh, rich guy and also um, a real public embarrassment. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't know who knows which one of those wins will will be prevailing in the end. Right. Well, I hope you keep playing him on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and I well, I hope you get to do more bits in like where you don't have to play, uh, just do voice work for cartoons. Because I mean, how many cartoons do you voice currently? Cartoons are fun. I'm not. I don't mind doing them. Uh, it, they, but you know, they have their own fans. There's just they like a separate world of cartoon world. I love working on cartoons. It's hard to tell people about them because the ones I'm currently working on aren't, won't come out for another year. Right. And I don't remember which ones are secret or not. So I can't. <laughs> so, but um, I'm, I'm currently on what's air. I'm on like um, um, Close Enough and Harley Quinn, both on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a list of this. What else am I on? Because <laughs> people ask me and I forget. Um, I'm sorry, there's not a cartoon bureau, James. I'm on Duncanville on Fox. I'm on Hoops on Netflix. Uh, Death Hacks on Snapchat was really fun. Oh, cool. Um, Wait, what's that? Death Hacks is a Snapchat Augenblick cartoon where it's just like these dead people and demons that are like, uh, it's just like, hey, how to hack um, being dead. All right. Ah. Like life hacks, life hacks, but for death hacks. And I, there, I play some really fun, stupid characters on that. Like, uh, like, uh, who's that? Like a kind of guy who's like a mind dazzler. Like, uh, what's that guy? Mind freak. Oh, uh, Chris Angel. Kind of like that kind of guy, but he's already, he's in hell. Um, <laughs> cool. Um, I was on Looney Tunes. I love this. I got to play Looney Tunes. Uh, 
I only, I was in one episode or a couple couple of episodes, I guess. But I played, you know, the they redid all the classic Looney Tunes cartoons, right? Well, and they sort of like expanded on them. So I got to play the gangster, the George Raft gangster with the tall hat that kidnaps Bugs Bunny, the one who's like, "Shut up, rabbit!" <laughs> nice. It was such an honor. That was such an honor. Shut up, shutting up. I think that, you know, now that I think about it, the comedy community cares only about certain cartoons. Like, they care about, like, BoJack Horseman. I was on BoJack Horseman. You were on BoJack Horseman. Of course you were. I played Stuart, the assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, were you on, were you on The lazy Morty? assistant, huh? Were you on Rick and Morty at all? No, no, not on Rick and Morty. They, they, haven't, they haven't opened that universe, that yeah. alternate universe yet. Yeah, the one out of, like, I don't know, 10 million or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, um, but like I, the comedy community seems to care about that. But then, I mean, there's like a whole. I mean, you just named a bunch of other cartoons that have been. You mean that? Yeah, I'm. I'm really. I'm bummed that my my friends from all the bar shows don't uh, care about my work on Talking Tom and Friends. Talking Tom and Friends. Yeah. <laughs> what is that on Disney? What is it now? XD still? It's on YouTube. It's a super sensation on YouTube for it's, for, it's just this uh it's a, it's a kids cartoon uh-huh. and it started as an app and then they made a cartoon out of it and it's wow. just a, it, it's um it's the adventures of Tom who's mm-hmm. played by Colin Hanks right. and his adorable friends who are computer animated animals uh, uh like me Ben mm-hmm. uh, my character <laughs> and it's it was very funny very funny we did that for several years it's very very funny and it was a there's a shitload of it on youtube but no grown-ups care about it <laughs> how do how do we change the perception how do we make this more four quadrant james i don't know i just do i like i, I like performing for an audience and i like doing voiceovers because you you can kind of see the people laughing behind the glass you know right, right, right. for me the most fun part is the experience of doing it and um I'm not, I'm not obsessed. I don't watch a lot of myself and I'm not also, I'm also not, not opposed to it. Like one of these people that's like, I can't bear to be in the screening. Right. Like I don't mind if I'm invited to something and they show me, but then maybe I'll just watch one episode and then go out and walk hang out the, the, the center yeah. aisle. And leave yes. the real. <laughs> I walk out. That's how we watched cartoons in the 1930s. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you'll get to do that one day for sure. Or I mean, maybe, maybe that'll be the whole walk show. out of my own. That's a power move to walk out of your own premiere. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you were just to do a whole show of your characters, just have that be your exit. Is just you keep walking out in the middle of bits, just so you can go change. Well, sure, but then you would have to have uh, you'd have to have a, a very generous performer who's like the straight man who's doing the show so to speak from the microphone right. it doesn't mind just getting continually interrupted yep uh ron lynch kind of did that once he took over the tomorrow show just as like to do all his characters and then he just had different people as like interstitials I think, oh, really? like, yeah i think hey, jim uh, rule was one hey uh so here's the thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> here's one ron lynch character that just says hey you should be on the tomorrow show you want to do the tomorrow show this week? I think that's the first time I saw you do my uh, Mike Lindell's like on a tomorrow show. That sounds right. Yeah. There was there's been a lot of first times and last times at that show. <laughs> yeah, because it always exists in tomorrow and never mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And it was always late enough at night that it didn't matter. It didn't matter. 
It didn't matter if it would work on the road or work at an eight o'clock show. It was just like, you do whatever the fuck you want. Right. Have you done the Instagram live version of the show? Uh, yeah, I have. How was that? It was fun. I think that I've done, I've probably done, I, ah, that's right. I did one with Eddie Pepitone where we both had to keep logging off and logging back on to interrupt each other as Eddie and his estranged brother, Freddie Pepitone. Yeah, from all right. So you're from Culver City, and Eddie- it changes honestly. Jake. <laughs> I don't remember the lore because it was never written down. But I'm I generally, I generally try to be the opposite of Eddie Pepitone. I'm very successful. <laughs> I'm grateful for what I have, <laughs> and I'm right of center. <laughs> yeah, except that means you would not have. The New York Times funniest comedy special of 2020. Yeah, good job, Eddie. Good job, good job Eddie. It, uh, what it took was a pandemic and a shutdown of new productions. They couldn't edit as many things. <laughs> yeah, were literally. You, that's, were you there? I, I, yeah, I was at. Yeah, I was at one of the tapings. It was great. Yeah. It was. Yeah, it's been. I actually try to not go to tapings because I know I'm going to watch them later, and I don't want to like. Oh, this is like me, like I'm rewatching what I already watched. It was so funny. And then he had the books on stage behind him. Oh, and yeah. um, he saw, I saw the very last taping. So he took the books and signed these random used books <laughs> for the audience. And I was like, I want Eddie, I want an Eddie Pepitone's autograph. Yeah. Right. I have it here. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Please get it. Oh, James is actually going. And it is a book of. My Fair Lady. Oh, my God. I have an Eddie Pepitone autographed copy of My Fair Lady. Oh, that's great. If only Eddie did his own take on My Fair Lady. Maybe you could do it. You, you know Kyle Ayers. Rain in Spain. <laughs> Rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane, folks. <laughs> and I'm fucking tired of it. <laughs> oh, man. I, I also saw Eddie and Freddie Pepitone for the first time at the Tomorrow Show. But that's yep, that sounds it. right. Yeah, I, I, will, I will one day write an oral history just from my own memory of LA comedy over the last 15 years. It's a cer certainly a good time and you might have a very nice clean stopping point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. It never, if it never goes back to what it was. Well, actually, I think it might be, I'd be curious on your take on this because I think it might actually get like more active than it even was like with the idea of as clubs reopen, they're going to just want to book headliners. And there are, I've already seen this. A lot of venues are going to overcharge to make up for lost time and profit. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to really care for a while about like developing new, new talent like they used to. Um, and that is going to force people to like actually make alternative comedy mean something again. Yes, but on the other hand, we've got so, so one of the really nasty things that happened is that nobody got a break on the rent and there's people as it's, it's awful and nightmarish for people who are living in places and right. Something like the Los Angeles uh, moratorium on evictions is the less than the bare minimum, but right. it, uh, I, can't, I can't believe that there's no major municipality in the country 
that didn't at least get say, hey, all rents across the board are cut by 25% until we decide that the pandemic is done. And if a landlord can claim hardship, they can come to the city or whatever. Right. Um, but uh, hey, guess what? Uh, apartment Corp can't claim hardship. If no. <laughs> the the owners of the owners of like fifteen hundred units or whatever, sorry, you don't get to claim hardship. Right. Um, the, 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 it's a, it's shocking to me that there, no effort was made to 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 cut the rent at all. So on paper, people are going to come out of this owing a year's rent. Yeah. Oh, and a a a. a two different lotteries are supposed to solve that we're oh we're going to take from the city's general fund and we're going to just have people apply and then we'll it's an emergency we'll pick a few. it is we'll pick a few it is an emergency it's like the bubonic plague you can say it was about a year and a half and what you need to do is just go okay these debts are uncollectible voluntary payback right um, or, or you can uh, you, honestly, the rents there it's a, it would be a great public good to cut all rents by twenty five percent across the board. Anyway, right. I found out recently that rents have doubled. The median rent has doubled since two thousand six. Residential rent in this country, yeah, it's doubled, and that's far ahead of what wages, the rate of increase of wages, or regular inflation. Right. Uh, it, it's doubled in this country. And, and you know, well, why, are, why are these homeless showing up? Because you shoved them into the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that a lot of great beloved venues on the commercial side of things, uh, commercial real estate, a lot of great beloved venues have gone away. Mm-hmm. Um, it would, they were already getting squeezed. And then right. coronavirus made it a lot worse. There's a lot of really great places that are just gone now. Yeah. And, um, there's going to be a huge demand for things for people to do. And a lot of these places will have gone out of business because the, 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 um, the elected establishment that we have um, decided that it's more important that the landlords are more important to keep happy than to have like beloved venues. Right. Um, Unless they, unless they happen to have $120,000 saved up for pandemic rent. Right. And what is, what is the breakdown in terms of like the quote unquote mom and pop, you know, commercial real estate? Owners? It's bullshit. Yeah. Here's why people talk about that. There's no there's there are mom and pop landlords, but they, they get they get held up as, oh, look at all that. Most landlords are not mom and pop landlords. Um, and when the people that they do describe as mom and pop landlords are people who own they, they categorize people who own like an entire building or two. And it's like, no, sorry, that's not you're making it sound like I rent out my room to someone. No, you own a building or two. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the the problem is that most people on the L.A. City Council are landlords. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Almost every judge is, in the whole country is also a landlord. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's very rare that you meet a judge who doesn't uh, rent out uh, uh, retail or uh, or uh, residential real estate because it's great passive income. So the whole ju- the whole the whole system is stacked in their favor because they're the ones that that run the show. Mm-hmm. They're the legislators and they're the judges. So um, yeah, I'm sorry, zero sympathy. Um, we should have let some landlords collapse and fold instead of our beloved bars and venues, I think. Right. <laughs> and movie theaters. Wouldn't it have been great if some landlord had gone out of business and people were like, wow, no one will miss them. <laughs> no, no one even knew their name or who they were. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's opinion of them was at, least, at, at best 
he was kind of an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, so, so that has led to displacement specifically in our realm of like comedians, even before the lure of Austin and Miami became a thing. Dun, 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 dun. Austin and Miami. Sure. Well, I, Oh, I got to turn this off. Um, why didn't I have my phone off? thought I did. Oh, that's all good. I did. Um, something's wrong with that. Um, what was this saying? Um, I think it's inevitable. I've, I've thought it's been inevitable. I'm surprised it's taken this long that, um, that you should have like regional, you should have re- regional, um, entertainment capitals outside of New York and Los Angeles. Right. Um, it's happening already in Atlanta with film. Mm-hmm. Um, Miami is establishing itself as uh, a major music, uh, TV, and cryptocurrency hub. Right. Austin is obviously doing some interesting things, making a play to be like a big national city. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's surprising that it hasn't happened before. And it's 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 kind of this byproduct of um, big media, where there's like a monoculture. And it has fractured, but it's fractured more on the internet than it has on TV right. or in like, like paid media right. where the people are actually paid and have a career. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's happened more slowly there as I think it's overdue. I don't mind. Um, I don't mind uh, regional competition, so to speak to New York and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um I, 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 I'm surprised it hadn't happened before. Right. I can't, I can't believe, you know, I, there was a TBS superstation in Atlanta when I was a kid and there was WGN in Chicago. I thought there'd be more of that by now, but I guess oh. biggest, the internet just was like, why not YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that where Bozo the clown went? James? I remember sure, watching- you, your, your Bozo is in YouTube, <laughs> but okay. So, I mean, I think, some people have moved short term, maybe some long term. It's hard to say at this point, but like, as I'll be moving are, like uh, Art Bell to yeah? the kingdom, the kingdom of Nye. <laughs> Art Bell, uh-huh. live from a live from a bunker somewhere in Nevada, Prim Nevada, <laughs> east of the Rockies, one eight hundred four one one five eight five eight. It's the Art Bell, <clears throat> Art Bell. Uh, <laughs> is that Prim's tagline? Oh, somewhere in Nevada. This hour, we will be discussing, as always, the Anunnaki. <laughs> oh man! Oh, if only uh, that the, the, the all all of alien lore became more mainstream culture. I would enjoy enjoy that so so much more. Um, it's it's really crazy once you even dip your toe into it. Um, you know, actually, sometimes I go to sleep by watching uh, crazy YouTube videos that I don't believe in. Sure. Um, I love watching things about uh, uh, ancient gods mm-hmm. and Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And um, I love it. And I just put on like just to relax mm-hmm. something about some ancient storm god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then just YouTube. And then what's up? Who, who, what comes up next? Oh, now I'm watching something about... Um, uh, the, the Gilgamesh, and uh, 
did, Shamash, did you, the Sumerian god Shamash. And then did, and then I wake up at 4 a.m. and it's just cycling through like Olympus was a lie. Didn't you ha- redo Gilgamesh on the uh, underculture from like uh, in in character? Good, you're good. Li- you, I'm glad you picked that up. Not everybody saw that. I did Little Steven's underground garage, mm-hmm. but it was it was Little Steven's underworld garage where we investigate and discuss the legends and the myths of rock and roll. It was like it was like Little Steven, but he was doing ancient mythology. Right, right. It was like right. this uh, this week we're going to be discussing the legend, the myth. Of Gilgamesh, <laughs> as if he was talking about the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Um, but yes, you know, uh, I don't know how to make people laugh anymore. I haven't seen people. The only people I've seen have been like, "Stay away from me." Um, oh, that's that's unfortunate. I mean, well, I'm a super spreader. You're a uh, super spreader. You identify as a super spreader. Well, on Grinder. <laughs> hey. So, um, I, I, but I'm getting back into it. I'm going to do some live shows throughout the summer. I'm going to start um, carefully crawling out like a crab after a rainstorm. Right. And um, I'm, I'm doing uh, nowhere comedy this Friday, mm-hmm. um, which of course is uh, it's nowhere and everywhere at once, right. but I'm going to go to their studio in the Valley. Uh, it's Ben Glebe and um, the tickets for that are on Eventbrite. Right. Nowhere Comedy, Friday, May 7th. It's at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, which I think they've decided is the perfect time for America. For for America. Who do you have opening for you? Like a debate. Like when they have a presidential debate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Um, Who do you have uh, hosting or opening for you? Or do you even pick? Well, now I have to look. Um, <laughs> act, act act like I had this information at my at the ready, like I knew exactly who it was. Oh, absolutely. You just want to take it back. It's away. taking its time pulling it up too. Really making me <laughs> no, um, no well, it, I, I love I, that it doesn't say. Wow. Well, I'll no, say look, that. Oh, well, go on. We have a great we have a great show. It's going to be my I'm doing I'm doing a remote stand up show on the Internet, just as everybody's feeling comfortable going back out to live places. I've timed it perfectly. Not everybody. It's it's eking out. I mean, yeah, there are people who are over enthusiastically disregarding protocol at restaurants. But sure. Yeah. In terms of Garcon, could you please bring me a sneezing cup? Yeah, as I can only cough louder <laughs> i i love that the pandemic went straight for what comedy was they were like the problem is crowds talking and laughter yep yep especially indoors <laughs> everything that we do uh, which is also sometimes done out for self-care was a uh public health hazard. clapping is bad impressions are especially bad uh a check drop is bad but even <laughs> even if they wait until after the show to do the check drop that's even worse oh yeah that makes me think i i remember i was at one house show and the cops got called and but we weren't making that much noise so the cop says like all right i don't want to like you know ruin what you kids are doing so just like um don't laugh too loud and uh instead of clapping uh snap that's hilarious. That almost that would get a laugh if he did that on microphone. Yeah, it would. It would. 
Anyway. But I'm also seeing that people are going back to like 25% capacity. And all I can think of is like the Andy, I think of an Andy Kindler voice, like, Hey, what the 25% capacity for me, that's a hundred percent capacity. <laughs> oh, I bet it is Andy. Oh man. That's going to be great. That's going to be great. So yeah, yeah no- so I have nowhere comedy uh, this Friday, May 7th. The yep. tickets are on Eventbrite. I tagged them on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Nowhere Comedy Club, and that's going to be super fun. I'm. I. I. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to do this anymore. I don't know, I don't know how to do stand up anymore. But I still have jokes that I'm writing down. So you, you're so funny, James. It's not going to matter. You. You will figure it out, and you'll. Well, just- people say that, but then they're not there for. They're not there for when the the when I drive the when I drive the car into the ditch. Um, I've been I've I've joyfully been along the ride as we head head first into the median or wherever it is. Yep, you can make a show out of that. Look, um, I'm going to do an extended homage to Janine Garofalo and have like just notes on stage. Yes. Or oh, if you're going to do that, you got to open. I remember seeing Janine for the first time live at What's Up Tiger Lily, and she started off like, "Okay, guys." My agent has told me that I do have a special. It is on the internet. I don't know where it is, but if you just Google my name, apparently it will come up. That is what I've been told to tell you. (laughs) (sighs) Janine, she never wanted to be famous and it happened anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Love her. I can't wait to see so many people again. Yeah. Um, I miss everything, st- man. I miss you, even though I run into you now and again. Yes, yes. But there used to be other people, Jake. I yeah, there used to be. I mean, well, evidenced by the first time I ran into you, pandemic-wise. Sorry to bring this up. Was at a vigil. Mm-hmm. Richard Bain. For Richard Bain. Right, Rest in peace, Richard. Yeah. We 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 needed you a little bit longer. Yeah, um. Yeah. Sorry to have lost you almost a year ago. Or was it exactly a year ago? It's almost exactly a year ago. Might have been exactly a year ago. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of, thankfully, a lot of people in comedy risked coming out for that. Yeah, that was the first time a lot of us saw each other in months. And um, um, people were, you know, people were crying and stuff for Richard and also like staying away from each other. Yeah, it was strange. To, no yeah. hugging. Lots of just sort of crying, <laughs> hugging yourself. Yep. And it was at the, uh, in front of um, El Cid, but because we had to be distanced, a lot of us ended up just hanging out in the McDonald's parking lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, boy, oh boy. <laughs> Richard was, Richard Bain was a very funny guy. Richard, Richard Bain was a very funny guy. I remember seeing him the first time at Bridgetown in Portland, probably in 2008. And he was one of the big dogs in Portland when I went there for the first time. And he was just seeing him then was like, it was awesome. He was just this local, he was this hometown hero and um, a really great performer. Like one of the, one of the people that just feels comfortable and it's just insane on stage and, the kind of person that felt more comfortable in front of a room full of strangers than just talking to one person afterwards. Right. Uh, he was a natural, he was a natural. And, uh, I, I, I actually got to see him a lot when he moved to LA. Um, 
he would hang out at Akbar, and um, I miss him. I miss him. He's joined the cast of um, he's joined the cast of my deceased friends who I talk to in the sky. Um, you know, sometimes if something funny happens, I'm just like people like Richard Bain or Harris Whittles. I'm like, did you see that? <laughs> yeah. That, you know, that gives me hope. That definitely gives me hope. I, I remember you actually dropped in on his farewell show in Portland. Like I drove you up for your taping. That was and, the same. Yeah. Sounds right. Yeah. And it was at Suki's. Um, but, but there will be more shows besides your virtual nowhere comedy show uh you said you got some in person in the summer yeah i'm gonna have some shows this summer i'll announce them later on instagram and um for now nowhere comedy you can watch it anywhere in the whole entire world yeah um as long as you new know york right 9 p.m yeah. well new york 9 p.m mm-hmm. uh la 6 p.m yeah which uh, means that the uk it's 2 a.m i think uh it, it's eight hours ahead of la yeah so probably 2 a.m yeah 2 a.m in the uk so probably none of you <laughs> unless unless you're real couch dwellers i mean I bet, me. yeah well the way that they've been locked down some of them i bet are um too bad uh, yeah, but tune in because uh, Nowhere Comedy is one of the best places to watch virtual comedy, but they don't archive it to watch later. You have to watch it live. Howooga! Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a one-time deal, pals. It's a one-time deal. It. It's a Get in on the ground floor. You shouldn't miss it at all. And you said you posted it, uh, other shows on Instagram. Where can people find you online, James? Instagram is the best, I suppose, at Jay Adomian. Um, there's a YouTube page, uh, and I try to put things on a playlist. I'm not comprehensive about it, but there's a playlist of things that I do on TV that I'm aware of on YouTube right, and right. things that I've uploaded myself, like from the underculture. And um, I've been meaning to put up some old stand-up bits because I realize I can't do any of the jokes from the old days. Why is that? Cause it's like what I'm, I, I, it's, it feels like it has been, it feels like it's been a thousand years. Like I, it feels like everyone's been in a coma for a thousand years. Right. Right. Um, but yes. So there's a, there's a YouTube page um, and um, it's not comprehensive. It's a little chaotic, but you can find stuff there. And then there's uh, obviously Instagram at Jadomian. And I'm actively looking for a better social media to use besides the ones that are popular now. Um, But until I look, until I warm up to Pinterest, that's what I've got. And um, have you tried Clubhouse yet, James? Are you uh, you don't care? I I can't. I I, I do work with my voice. Mm -hmm. I am an audio personality in many ways, but I have absolutely no interest in doing like a conference calls. I mean, very much it can be that, but it, it can be fun. All right. Don't let me talk too much shit. <laughs> you, if you I mean, love Clubhouse, I'm not going to get in the way of it. It's okay. I mean, I got, you know, this is what I really have enjoyed about Clubhouse is that I got to connect and learn about comedy from comedians in Austria, Singapore, India, UK. <sighs> well, that's worth it. Yeah. All right, fine. <laughs> 
I used to, I used, I used to love doing that. It feels so far away. Yeah. Um, but you'll get to do that again. I, I don't, I have no doubt that you'll play international festivals again, as well as festivals. Sure, 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 mm-hmm. sure. I will. Mm-hmm. Let's well, well, well uh, I, 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 I love touring the world and I love touring my own backyard. Yeah. And um, so you'll see me in LA, you'll see me around and um, I, I'll see you very soon and I'll see everybody else shortly thereafter absolutely nowhere comedy club friday may 7th 6 p.m slash 9 p.m james adomian tickets on eventbrite absolutely jake kroger jake kroger america's only comedy journalist (laughs) oh don't tell julie siva that (laughs) okay sorry yeah i like julie yeah i love julie Julie. but julie doesn't julie doesn't need praise like that no she it seems like she actively doesn't seek it and you, you, you know, you, I, I know you have an ego. You need to be cuddled. <laughs> yeah. I'm adopted, James. That's why. I didn't say that. That's you. Yeah. That's me. I, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, thank you so much for joining me here on the Comedy Bureau Field Report. I'm Jake Kroger. I created the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com. Uh, the Comedy Bureau on socials. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Not the Supermarket and on Twitter at MFJ Kroger. There are a lot of great causes to support at this time, but and I'd ask you to support those. But if you have money or generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau because it's just me and I've been doing this for over a decade. Um, can I plug a charity too, Jake? Do you mind? By all means. The Children of Armenia Fund. Great. C-O-A-F dot org. The Children of Armenia Fund. They do very good work. Uh the country, the Republic of Armenia has taken a beating this last year and uh, they didn't ask for it. They didn't deserve it. Right. Um, and the Armenian people have had a really rough time in the last yeah. 150 years. Yeah. And uh, the Children of Armenia Fund does a really good job of um, uh, educating young Armenians in Armenia outside of the main city of Yerevan in like smaller cities and educating them in tech and the arts. And I think they do really good work. And so if you're interested, coaf.org. Yeah. And I'll include that in the show notes. Uh, As I like to say at the end of every episode, comedy is still happening. And, you know, you would do it better than me. So, I mean, if you don't want to do it, it's fine. But I always like quoting Brody at the end of, uh, every episode is saying like in, in, enjoy it but you you do better Brody better than me enjoy it there it is Brody miss you too miss you too man actually there's a virtual live stream that's in dedication to him this Brody. is the last thing I'll say I can't yeah <laughs> I gotta go but right. I'll tell you this right. a year after he passed away mm-hmm. uh Marsha and I you know Marsha uh Marsha Neumeyer. Oh, yes. Um, we have the same birthday. Um, we're both, we were both friends of Brody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was around the time of our birthday. We decided, like, we heard there was Brody Stevens bench up in the valley. Mm-hmm. So we were like, um, let's go and have our little birth. We'll have a little birthday adventure. We'll go up and find the Brody Stevens bench in the valley. I thought it was somewhere up in the hills, uh, oh. like, of Reseda or something on like on the, the, the Bel Air Hills. Um, but it was like in a park next to his high school, I guess. Right. And so we got there and we were, we were, we were going to take, we were going to like take a photo. I had we written a little card, like we miss you. We love you, Brody. And 
we were going to treat it like a shrine, you know? And um, we got there and there was a guy sleeping on the bench and he, he, he wasn't even, he was not a homeless man. He was just like tired, like hanging out in the park <laughs> asleep. And there's no polite way to be like, uh, excuse me, could you, could you, can we wake you up and like have a moment with this bench? So we, there was, it was just this old guy and he had been feeding the ducks or something. So we just had to sit there in the park for like an hour and a half waiting for him to naturally need to use the bathroom or something. That's great. <laughs> to even just be like, Hey, we miss you Brody and leave, leave a card. Yeah. I mean, in that situation, you just, I think you would just have to go. Yes. You got it. They wait for me. <laughs> yeah. A line for the bench. Thank you so much, James. I love and miss you, buddy. Let me say this. I miss I miss my dear friends who've passed away. And please, please don't be in a hurry to be one of them. There you go. There it there it is. Circle and print that. Enjoy it. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Grineo, artwork by Andrew Delman and KT, and part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save-